0: This morning uh, we're going to see a lot of tag teaming going on. So when different people get up, don't let that alarm you and stuff like that. If you don't have a handout, if you would raise your hand. Swifties in the back. And this morning the the word God's given us is the opportunity of the perfecting of our faith. Um, you know when I was uh one of the some of the when I was young and one of the great regrets in my life is uh, is 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 not taking advantage of the gifts that God had given me, particularly in the area of athletics. Um, I mean, I played baseball, basketball, and football. I didn't know what soccer was back in those days in Okeechobee. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I I played sports all the time, and my mindset was I just, I wanted to play professional sports, and that was it. And And school and stuff like that were irrelevant to me. That was just an opportunity to play sports. And, uh, so I did it all the time and, and I, you know, just not bragging or whatever, I had a gift and I could, I could compete at a high level and and uh, had opportunities to get drafted in, in professional baseball that blew out my shoulder, did some stupid stuff. But in that, really, um, I just never did take advantage of the gift that I had to the fullness because of the season of what I call the unseen. See, uh, uh, I, I live for the scene, the game. I would want to play the game. And that's how I lived for to play the game. And, and you know, especially when you get in a small town, you know, and, and the only school in the county kind of thing. I remember when I went to Jack State to play football, and, um, you know, and all these guys were walking around with their letter sweaters on, you know, all-county, you know, football and stuff like that. And I walked up and I said... Oh, that's nothing, man. I was all counting in three sports. And they go, oh, wow. And I said, and I couldn't let it sit. I go, it was the only school in the county anyway. So, so, so if you made first team, you were all county, you know. I could brag on it, you know. But anyway, so, but, you know, I could, you know, when you get to another level in, in competition, it wasn't the game day that was most important. It was the unseen time. It was the time of of not necessarily practicing what you, you know, like in football. It wasn't necessarily practicing throwing the football. It was the lifting of the weights and the drills and stuff like that that made the most difference that enabled you to compete at a higher level. You know, when uh, you talk to professional athletes today, or hear their testimonies today, The level of uh, things they do in the time that is unseen is just outrageous. Larry Bird, one of the greatest basketball players ever, would spend hours upon hours uh, before a game shooting and running bleachers. Or even after the game, they would say that. And so for him to be as great as he was, it wasn't because how he did in the game is what he did in the time of the unseen. And and as I was studying this and the Lord just giving me this word, it's so true for us. The perfecting of our faith does not come in the time of the game. You know, the point in time when you pray for somebody and immediately they may be healed or a deliverance to occur. That's not when that occurs. It's when the times that you pray for people that you don't see it that's established. And I'll ascribe what I'm saying there in a second. It's about my faith in the times that are not seen. When I don't see where God said things about me. You know, where God said, you know, you know, like 1981 or 82, I'm in a charismatic prayer meeting. I go into a Baptist church who had these undercover charismatic prayer meetings, you know. And uh, and so I, uh, you know, had this lady stand up in this prayer meeting and she pointed her finger at me and said, she starts telling me I would preach the gospel to the nations and all this kind of stuff. She's saying all this crazy stuff about me preaching the gospel to the nations. And I'm hearing her and I'm going, yeah, okay, that's cool, you know. And I was in the convenience store business, you know, and dealing Jesus on the side. You know, and that's all I could really see at that point. I loved dealing with Jesus. I'd deal with Jesus any place I could go. just so happened that night that lady did that, I, there was this young guy named Jeff Riddlebarger who, 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 who was a high school student at the time, a senior in high school, a guy I was discipling and speaking into, Jesus into. And, and uh, Jeff was sitting right next to me. And so when this whole event occurred, about that was like at night, about, that was 80, 81 or something like that, I can't remember. But then about 19, mid-1990s, when we were living in Radford doing campus ministry work, God started doing some things in my life. And I really didn't understand the depths of it. But Jeff came to visit me. He became a fighter pilot, f 15-fighter pilot in the Air Force, and had gone to the Air Force Academy, excelled, and then became a fighter pilot. And he stopped by here and was visiting me. And we got talking about the prophetic. We talked about God and the things that God would do. And Jeff, uh, I said, Jeff, you know, you remember the prophetic, you know, how powerful it can be? You remember that time Miss McClellan pointed her finger at me and said I'd be declaring the gospel to the nations and all this kind of stuff? And, and I go, ain't hey, it cool? Look at me doing it now. And he looked at me and said, no. I said, what do you mean, Jeff? You were sitting right here with, right next to me when Miss McClellan pointed her finger at me and said I'd be declaring the gospel to the nations and all this kind of stuff, declaring the gospel and all this that stuff. And, and Jeff looked at me and said, Rick. Miss McLaren pointed her finger at you. She didn't say a word of English. All she did was speak in tongues. Oh. Talking about getting knees getting weak? Everybody in the room heard tongues. I heard a word of an invitation of the Lord to walk in a faith toward declaring the goodness of God to the nations. And y'all. You know, and that's sort of what this journey is with the Lord, a walk of faith. It is. Not it is. It's a walk of faith. An invitation to join him. And, and I was, you know, a, a story that, that God has given us to sort of picture this. So the disciples were in this journey with Jesus. It's a walk of faith. But you've got to realize, yeah, uh, this journey they were on, they didn't just automatically get it. They go from fishermen, tax collectors, to super faith dudes. And one of the stories that God really just put on our hearts was when Jesus one day, he's teaching to the multitudes, and let me just read this. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the land, and he sat down and began teaching the multitudes from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep waters and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night, caught nothing, but at your bidding I'll let down the nets. When he had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish so much that when they brought the other boats along, they started to sink. Simon goes, Jesus, get away from me. I'm a sinner. And then Jesus said, Don't be afraid. Come, I'll make you fishers of men. An invitation to join in, and we'll talk about a little bit this later, but this Peter's imitation, the disciples' imitation to just follow with Jesus, this journey of faith, which in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter says, our faith is more precious than gold. In fact, the greatest gift is not for me, is not that I could play football, baseball, or basketball. The greatest gift that God is, one of the greatest gifts that God's ever given me is the ability to believe, to trust, the gift of faith. Being more precious than gold, and what do I do with it? Because, right, y'all, I want to be honest with you. When I started walking with the Lord, when God would speak this word to me about being, you know, declaring the gospel of nations, my faith was incomplete and is incomplete. But I want you to catch the reality of this. This potential of faith is immense. Because, you know, if you would, look at me in Matthew chapter 17, and uh, and we'll go to Mark chapter 9 uh, right after it, real quick. In Matthew chapter 17, Jesus, and I don't have the PowerPoint on this, and you'll see why here in a few minutes. And, uh, and in Mark chapter 9, verse 23, just the possibilities in relationship to faith, living in this life of faith. In, Mat- in uh, Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, uh, when the disciples came down, they couldn't cast the demon out of the man I mean, uh, the man of the uh, the man's son, and Jesus says, they ask, why couldn't we cast it out? And he says, because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it shall move. Nothing shall be impossible to you. Yeah, I want to say that. That's huge. Brandon was talking about going out to the, uh, uh, um, yeah, out Floyd Fest and. Just the exciting time it was for him. But yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. I, you know, I've had success in business. I've had success in in sports. I've had success in life in different ways. But nothing compares to the, just participating with the Lord, walking with the Lord. Nothing compares like that. And it's so cool to see the God do the impossibilities. You know, you know, when I walk into a hospital where a guy's, you know, been diagnosed with a heart attack and and uh, I'm standing next to the doctor when the doctor says to the wife, you know, he's had a major heart attack. And then we go in and pray for him, leading to Jesus, pray for him, and he checks out the hospital the next morning when they say there's nothing, you had nothing happen because the blood enzyme levels went down and were normal and the heart EKGs were normal and they say take a baby aspirin. God healed the guy. Or to, to speak the word of God in somebody's life and and see them instantly change. God, that's nothing like it. Lead somebody to Jesus, see them totally screwed up. Or, you know, whatever it may be. There's nothing like it. The impossible, you see, the impossible. Y'all, you know, how about a hick from Okeechobee who was fighting to, to take freshman English as a, as a senior in college, I mean, junior in college? Couldn't pass it. Passed, took me three or four times to take freshman English, y'all. Huh? And God's called me to write books. I'm sure if you went to my English teachers from high school and those first years of college, they'd go, Sizemore writes books? That's a miracle. There must be a God. <laughs> there is a God. <laughs> you know? God doesn't need to go possibilities. How about, you know, well, on that on that mindset in Luke, uh, Matthew Mark chapter nine, verse twenty three, which, you know, in this thing, Jesus said to them, If you can, it's talking about, about healing. As if he can, all things are possible to him who believes. And y'all you know there's that place in my heart y'all that we're, that, that we're, we're living constantly by faith. and I y'all, you got to be reality with real with ourselves here. The reality, how much we don't live by faith. We live life on what we know, what we do, our gifts and talents, but God's saying this journey is a life of faith. And I heard, in fact, Robbie and I were talking about this yesterday, the day before yesterday, we were sitting at Starbucks talking about what God was doing in our lives, and and you know, and the reality is, God, you know, if you can do it, it's probably not God. God's constantly putting us before red seas and depart the red seas or or you know, dead situations and circumstances to raise them up. And, uh, you know, and we fuss about things being shaken up and down in our lives. And I don't know, I think we watched too many Ozzy Harriets when I was a kid or something. Because we think it's going to be happily ever after. And, you know, y'all, it's not. Because you know what? Every step, every day is to be an adventure of faith. Now, y'all, that can be scary. Because when, when you don't see it, that's where things go right. And I I am going on here too long, y'all. But my conviction is now I'm coming to. If you can believe it, it can happen. What does it say? You know, you say to this mountain, be thou removed, and do not ca- and doubt in your heart, but be cast in the sea, it will be done. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The the, the thing is faith. Faith is the extension toward of heaven. And now and y'all as I say that, I can fill it in the room. Well, I, you, I've been there, done that. And we'll talk about that in a second. You want something? Go ahead.
1: Yeah, just, um, just recently, God actually gave me this, um, this, this story about uh, Luke. I was actually in a really low place um, um, in, my, in one area of my life. And my like, faith had just been kind of like wiped out. And I was just—I was really just in a low place. Didn't know really what to do. I was just really kind of not depressed about it, but just kind of almost hopeless about it. And um, the Lord um, just led me to this Luke five passage, and it's talking about um, Jesus walking by the disciples, um, or they weren't disciples at the time, but they, Jesus walked by a couple of people in some boats, and these guys were out working their net. They had just finished the whole night working their nets. I mean, these guys were probably exhausted. They didn't catch a thing. You know, have you had anybody it felt like that in your life where you just like been working on something, and you just it's nothing's happening. Um and so that's um what the where these guys were at. And so um Jesus goes up, you know, he teaches and then he tells um Peter, he says, Peter, let's go, let's go fishing and what was Peter's response? It wasn't, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> no. Peter's response was like Man, we've been working hard all night. Been there, done that. We, we've gone down that road before. You know, anybody felt like that before, we've, we, we've heard these things Rick's teaching before. I mean, I've heard this a hundred times, you know, and I'd heard it a hundred times before a month ago. But I'd heard it before. I've been down that road, and it was just kind of like, golly, seriously. But then, at least Peter had enough smarts to say, all right, if if you want us to, we'll, we'll go out, we'll we'll get back in the boat, and we'll go out again. And then, um, of course, you know, of course, the, the end of the story is, you know, they go back out, and they catch, my favorite part of the story is they catch enough fish, but they actually have to get their friends to help them to come pull in all these fish because their boat's about to um, go down. And I um brought in a picture, I don't know if, um, it's just kind of just a symbol of, I think, um, what... Uh, it, it was uh, Allison actually had bought this for me. It's going to probably go up on my... Um, Why sec- do you show it in a second? Yeah, she'll show it in a second. Okay, yeah, maybe we'll show it a little bit later. Yeah, show it down on the last um, one. So, uh, so I just want to just kind of just encourage you, you know, like in your heart you might be saying, I've heard this before. I've gone down that path of faith and, and things of that nature. Um, but really I, I feel a calling for God just to say, God's just saying, get back in the boat, you know. It's not even a calling of walking on water. It's just get back in the boat and start the process. So, um, well, what,
0: what do you call that? What Brandon's talking about there? About it? I've been there, I've done that. What do we call that? Doubts, called unbelief, because faith with nothing's impossible. Say that nothing is impossible.
2: Nothing. Say it again.
0: Nothing, nothing is impossible, impossible to those who
2: to believe.
0: believe. So, what do we say? Those. What do we call those things that Brandon's talking about? Doubts or unbelief. Because what does it say? I mean, faith is so absolute. I believe it right now in my life. Faith is such an absolute. You, just like if I take an extension cord and plug it into that wall, I'm not going to doubt that I'm going to get electricity. If I don't get electricity, y'all, I will go, there's something wrong somewhere, and we're going to fix it. Okay? It's that way. So, because. Don't, you know, for some reason we think we can get by living life with doubts. What does it say in Mark eleven twenty twenty three? 23? You say to this mountain, be removed and cast in a sea, and do not, what? Doubt in your heart. What's James 1 say? It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously. But and it goes on to say, let him ask in faith, what? Not doubting. And it goes on to say, the man who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed. But it goes on to say, let not that man think he will receive anything, what, from the Lord. It's an enemy of our faith. Doubt. 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 And what God has been, or unbelief. I mean, Jesus goes into his hometown and he could not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. And you know, or I love Hebrews, I don't like it, but it's a good passage hebrews four two for the it says it goes on and talks about the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united with faith. Now here y'all, when we talk about this faith, you've got to realize this that it's not faith in faith. Hear what I'm saying because so many times we'll go, okay i got to get this faith. i got to believe. I've got to believe. Okay, i got to believe. i got to trust. Okay, okay. No, no, no. It's not faith in faith. It's faith in a person. Because what does Hebrews 12, 2 say? He is the author and the what? Perfecter of our faith. In other words, it's Him. He's the beginner and the end. Jared, would you want to speak what you had in that? There's the mic. Just
2: uh, the other morning we were um, sitting around talking. To- talking about this a little bit Um, Brandon brought up that about Luke 5 um, and uh, in some of the discussion the thing that kept coming to my mind is that uh, it's not that when Jesus asked Peter to push back out that Peter really had faith that there was going to be a net full of fish or Peter wasn't really like in a place of believing like if we do this it's going to work but Peter was really in a place that he believed that Jesus believed something Uh, Jesus said let's put the boats back out and uh, Peter was at a place where he really didn't understand exactly what was going to happen, but he at least believed that Jesus believed something was going to happen. So he put the boat back out on the water. Um, and uh, it, we got into talking some about Logos and Rhema. You know, and it, it's just the aspect that we get to those places where we, um, we've put out and we've done all these things, and then we, we don't, we don't want to step back out again because we failed. Um, or we felt like it, we failed. Um, the place that, that Peter was in and even that he grew to was that Peter got to understanding that, that he was a, understood that the safest place to be is where Jesus was at. Um, Jesus said, you know, we need to go back out in the water. And he said, OK, well, let's go because you believe something's going to happen. Um, even as things progress here today, I was looking at the fact that, you know, Peter, when Jesus was saying, I'm going somewhere that you can't go with me. And Peter said, you know, even if I have to die like I'll go everywhere that you go, because Peter had understood that when Jesus spoke that the safest place and the best place to be is wherever Jesus was at. And that word got tested, and he failed in it. Um, but in his heart, he had gotten to this place. He had seen that when Jesus spoke, that things happened, and the best place to be is where Jesus was at. Because yeah, it's not a faith and faith, but it's a what?
3: It's
2: a
0: person. It's a person. And, and, uh, and so... Uh, you know, I've been looking in my life, y'all, in these places that where faith was lacking in my life. And and god started been showing me this thing about the process of perfecting my faith. And, y'all, I, I got this kind of out of order. But I want to, if you'll notice in your notes there, there's something that's probably at the last thing. I want to bring it up to the first. And one of the most important things when I find areas in my faith that lack in my faith Is it easy to condemn ourselves and to quit. But what God has really been doing a thing in my heart is to say, is to show me and say, Rick, now this is not a time to condemn yourself. But it's a thing that I'm doing in your heart. Now, if you, you know, I'll just quote this to you in Ephesians 3.14. You're welcome to turn there. But, y'all, you know, the misconception is is that when we get saved, it's over with. I mean, well, now, yeah. You know, but that's not it. It's the beginning. In Ephesians three fourteen, Paul is praying to the Ephesians Christian and he says this. He says, I pray that God would strengthen you with power through your spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you may be rooted and grounded in love. See, y'all, it's a journey of where Jesus is taking lordship of every area in our heart. See, the misconception is that when somebody gets saved, you ask Jesus into your heart. No, that's not true. You bring him into the foyer of your heart, and then he starts the process of of taking lordship in every area of your heart. That's why Paul's praying for the Ephesian Christians that Christ may dwell in your hearts, plural. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. You'll find as you're walking this faith life with the Lord, there's areas that will be manifested. I've been in this journey, Lord, y'all were right now where I've realized that my faith in the area of the Lord being my security has has been lacking. Let's put it this way. There were doubts. I shared with y'all last time I was here when I was going into Beirut, Lebanon, how I there were doubts that rose up in my heart. How do I know doubts are there? One of the ways you know doubts are present is with fear. Fear is an emotional is a is a soulish emotion signaling a belief or conclusion that you're in danger, overwhelmed, or or uh, but there's four there's five definitions, five uh, adjectives that describe it. I can't remember, but I shared with y'all about that one going into Beirut. I had last week. I had an interesting situation happen. There was this process of God doing a work within me. Because don't condemn. But what the Lord has been bringing to light is this concept of perseverance or endurance. Why is that? Why is that? Because why is it that James says, "Let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing." Why is it in, is that you see in your notes there that it's in that it's in some place, Luke eight fifteen, that where the parable of the seed and the sower, where it talks about those who bear fruit or those who hear the word. And receive it with a good and honest heart. And it goes on to say they bear fruit if they hold to it with perseverance. Why do you need perseverance? It's in the season of the unseen. When I was out in, when I was out in California, I, I, uh, we, we did this men's retreat up on the mountain. Up on this mountain. Dave's house set at the base of the valley there. And there's this huge mountain that goes up right behind his house. I mean, like 8,000 feet. You know, from zero to 8,000. And I'm looking up there, and, and I say, oh, that's beautiful. You know, and you walk around and see that and all this kind of stuff. So I go do the men's retreat, and Dave goes, and we're riding to the, where we're going to the men's retreat. And uh, and I go, where's it at, Dave? Where's the men's retreat? And he points, and I, it goes, it's up there. Now, y'all, the periods of time there's fear. I... Fear of heights can get me every now and then. It just really can get me, and especially if it gets me from kind of at a weird angle. So anyway, these mountains are like they're not like here where you got trees covered. They're like rock. And he points up. There it is. And you look and you see this road going, and then you start seeing it snake back and forth. <laughs> you know, all the way up. You see points in time where the there's no the the road is not on the uh, on rock, but it's on like a bridge or just wood holding up the <laughs> road. And you see this, and you're going, oh, Jesus. It's like I feel this fear welling up within me. And so all of a sudden, you know, and I get up there, and I go, y'all, I didn't enjoy the journey. I didn't enjoy it at all. And so I get up there, and, you know, we had an awesome time retreating. But back in my mind, I'm going, Lord, this fear about up and down this mountain is not cool. That's signaling something in my heart. Not, there's a place in my heart that faith is not perfected. In other words, love is not perfected in my heart because perfect love does what? Fear. So I know, Lord, I'm not perfected in this. And so God started to do a thing in my heart. And so. I like the next morning morning before we left to go back down. It's really cool. I started meditating on the Lord, and the Lord gave me two massive revelations. When I say it, y'all are going to go, oh, Rick, that's Sunday school. But it's a difference from going from believing it to knowing it. Two things. One God says, Rick, I love you. I will make your foot firm on a rock. Second thing is, behold my beauty. I've been meditating on Psalm 27, you know, four for... for one thing I've asked of the Lord that I shall seek, that I dwell in the house of the Lord uh, all the days of my life, and behold the beauty of the Lord. Rick, see the beauty. You're looking all 5,000 feet. It's beautiful. <laughs> and it was a clear day. you know. And I can just say, y'all, I enjoyed the journey down. There was a place of God doing a work in my faith. In my heart, there was an area that was doubting. And it's in the time of the unseen when you don't see it that your faith is established. And we can't, instead of when the season we're praying for something and we don't see it, the temptation is to manipulate and go into the flesh and deal with things. Mitch, you got something in that area? Or, or Jim, you got something? There. Hand them that one.
4: Um, I, I just wanted to um, – the, the issue with faith uh, and, and doubt and perseverance um, is often the purpose of doubt is to stop you from using the faith that you have. I, and it, um, you, you mentioned I know, Mark 12 or 16, but you go a little further in Mark, you, like 5 through 8, you have all these stories. It tells you two stories about the the five loaves and the two fish, the seven loaves, right, must you wear this? Um there's this interchange with Jesus and disciples where, you know, it's like, what do we have? It's like, well, we only got seven loaves. The thing is, the picture of doubt is that doubt wasn't that they didn't have enough faith to feed the, the hordes. It's the doubt stopped them from feeding what they had so they would get more. Um, you don't have to have enough faith to finish the work. You just have enough faith to start the work. And Jared was mentioning this with that Peter just had enough faith to obey Jesus and throw the net inside the, the boat. He didn't have enough faith to believe it was going to be full of fish. He didn't know it was going to be full of that many fish. He wasn't anticipating. He wasn't even doubting you know, what was coming because he didn't know enough. But he, he had enough faith to respond and do yes. So I just want to say, because when we talk about faith, I know often we're thinking about, oh, there's this thing I'm called to do, and I don't have faith for it. So I, I better wait till I have enough faith. And It's not the picture we see in Scripture. You know, um, Peter just had enough faith to get out of the boat. Now, you know, he sank a little bit, but... <sighs> The little boy, he just had enough faith to give what he had. The disciples, they only had to have enough faith to start feeding. It's like, all right, you want to feed with the seven loaves, the five loaves to feed? We'll start feeding. Did they have enough faith that everybody would be fed? No, they had enough faith to start so that everybody would be fed. And this is the thing, I think, where doubt gets us is, you know, we look at the top of the mountain and say, like, I don't know if I have enough faith to get to the top of the mountain. The thing is, you just have enough faith to start on the road to get to the top of the mountain, knowing that he'll give you more faith along the way. And that's part of the faith, the faith. It isn't that he gives you this full measure of faith and you do this full work and he gives you this another full measure of faith. He gives you a measure of faith to start. And as you use it, he gives you more faith. And by the time you're using this much faith, that's easy. The hard part is starting with this much faith. And I just think that's the challenge is to start with the faith you have. If you had no doubt, you wouldn't have more faith. You would just start with the faith that you have. You know, and Because I, I, I know the issue of doubt is is we look at Oh, I don't have enough faith to finish it. You don't. You have enough faith to start it. And then that's the thing is the perseverance. And this is this interesting thing. So often faith is described with seeds. The word of faith or faith is like a mustard seed. And what do we know with seeds? Once they get planted, they grow. And this is the issue. I know it has to do with word. It has to do with the salvation. But part of you see it with the, the, um, you know, the, the different soil. They weren't chastised whether they, they were, the soil wasn't reviewed and whether it got seed or not. You know, it's how did it grow the seed? You know, you know, and, and this is where we get stuck with faith before the Lord. Are we growing the faith we have? Do I have enough faith to get people healed? No, but I have enough faith to pray for people to get healed, and, and often they'll get healed. And that's the hard part is starting with enough faith to start. I know I'm saying this again, but this is where <laughs> you fit in all these stories you hear. I don't like like I know you listen, you read a story from the Bible you're like, wow, I wish I had that much faith. Like, they don't start with that much faith. They start with enough faith to get out of the boat, you know. And it's all they can not not, not to not to give in to the doubt. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, I just want to say that because this makes us, these things so much more personal. You know, do I have enough faith to do this? No. Do I have enough faith to start? Oh, man, I do. Shoot. <laughs> now, now I can't get out of this. Because it's his, you know, and Paul says this, it, it's... It's not ours to cause the growth. It's God's to cause the growth. You get seven loaves, you go feed seven people. You know, if God gives you growth, you end up feeding 7,000. You know, but if you don't feed seven because you can't feed the 7,000, your faith never grows. And this is the starting issue. You get, starting small, in fact, I believe God intentionally starts big things small. And so if you only have a little faith, it may be because he wants to do something Huge. Now, just go back to the mustard seed. Do you have the smallest amount of faith you can imagine? Well, that's the smallest seed in the garden. That's the mustard seed. It ends up growing to be the biggest plant in the garden. You know. And so, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to start? Find the place where you have the least amount of faith. I'm telling you, and, and, and God, come up, well, well, can you start with this? Because I, it's, it's the five loaves and the two fishes, the seven loaves. It's, it's, it's the least amount of thing you can start to feed a huge amount of people. You know, so I just, because God will stir you off. And you're going to say, "Oh, I need more faith." No, you don't need more faith. You need to use the faith you have, and it'll grow into all the faith that's required. So I just just want
0: to. And it's all just in a revelation of Him. Can I ask you this? I did not have enough faith to overcome the fear that was before me. That was not. That was not what it was. It was not me getting up to. Oh, okay, I will overcome this fear. No, that wasn't it. You know what it was? It was Him. I had. I just. I had revelation of Him. That's what I was saying. Faith—it's not faith in my faith; it's my faith in Him. I got became enamored with His love and enamored in the beauty of the Lord as it manifested in creation. And that's what Jim's saying. You know, it's just a little thing. It's just one step of it. I can think of the things that God has done with Paul and I in this. And so, it, and what I want to go in—in these times, you don't see it. Time, Jim, just talking about the endurance. Y'all, it's an enduring in the time of the unseen that you refuse not to shrink into unbelief or doubt. And that's what James in Hebrews was talking about in Hebrews 34. It goes, you have need of endurance. For after you've done the will of God, you receive what's promised. And y'all, in those seasons, you don't see it, that's the opportunity to deal with the doubts or the unbeliefs. I don't know. Y'all got some, Mitch, why don't you go first and share that about what God was giving you? About the things what's the things that cause the doubts or the unbelief? That's what we really is in our heart right now. It's in the season that you don't see it happening. What you've been praying for, what you're believing for, how do we respond? Go ahead. Whatever God gives
5: you now. Well, you know, I think the Lord, as we were talking about this, you know, you always get to this place. I guess I'm always on the sensitive side of things. Um, because as you talk about these things, they, you get this place of condemnation. I mean, you get this place of, man, I, either I failed in it or I don't have enough belief or I don't have enough faith. and Or I started it and didn't finish it. Whatever that looks like. And, you know, the Lord just kept, <laughs> the Lord really just gave me this, it's funny, this passage, Luke 9 and Mark 9 are, are parallel passages and, and and in certain ways, it's hilarious. If you go to Mark, I mean, if you go to Luke nine, it's a, it's almost like the most manic verse verse in the Bible that I've seen. Maybe there'll be a place to speak in depth about it. But here he calls the ministry of the twelve. I mean, that's kind of the title. And so he called he called the twelve to the you know this place of believing, and he gave them power and authority to go heal, deliver. So they went out and they did it. Like he get he spoke the word, gave them the faith to do it. They went out and did it. Okay, so then they come back. They've seen the they've seen probably the sick healed, the dead raised, all those things, right? So then you come back if you follow down through it, and then all of a sudden the the, the five thousand happens. You know, kind of alluding what uh, Jim was talking about. All of a sudden they get to this place of okay, and if you read in there it says, uh, and the day began to decline. The twelve came and said send the multitude away they they had a plan they were like this was my this is our faith plan hey send the multitude away get them get them something to eat let them go into the city and get something to eat cuz we don't have enough to feed them that was the, that was the plan okay i love this but he said he turned to him and he said something that was very significant he said what you give them something to eat what Minute, I, we just told you our plan is go into go into the city, get them out. And I said, "You give them something to eat." And he goes back to what Jim said. Well, what do you have to start with? And they said, "We have." And well, they they even had it and they didn't know it. They said, "Oh, well." It says we have no more than five loaves, two fish, unless perhaps we go and buy food for all these people. So what they weren't, well, they didn't understand. Start well, start there. Just start giving it out. And j- he was saying, "You feed them." So it's like, all of a sudden they go, they go, you know. The sick are healed, the dead are raised. And then they come back and they can't feed, They can't start feeding people, right? So all of a sudden, then they go. It's funny. Then they go on to uh, the Transfiguration. So this happens. You know, this crazy place down in verse twenty-eight. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on the crazy manifestation of God's presence, His kingdom. You know, it happens. So all of a sudden, they come back down. They come back down the hill. Uh, and into the multitude and, and then they start talking about well who's greatest and then they start this fa- faction of well who's greatest you know who's the, you know so we always struggle with that place even even when we start seeing things happening all of a sudden it's like well I did that you know I got I got that it's not even about that but then all of a sudden if you look at verse 54 and it says when his disciples James and John uh sorry go back up to 53 Jesus went out to the Samaritans into to the villages, and they did not receive Jesus because he was journeying with his face towards Jerusalem. So they were offended. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Who has faith for that? I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, you can't feed 7,000, but you'll call fire from heaven? I'm like, what are you, like, where is... Where? But in there's. It goes back to Jim's word last week. Isn't there such grace and mercy in this level of faith? You know, but, oh, and then go back. Sorry, I even missed out on the the whole scripture I was going to speak about the verse. It's hilarious. Even in the midst of that, they come back down the mountain, and all of a sudden there's this kid that needs healed and delivered. And you get a better picture of it in Mark, if you want to flip to Mark. But just, I want to read this, because it comes back to this place of what I'm going to talk about. This grace and mercy in this level of faith. Um it starts in verse uh, 20. And they brought the boy to him. And when he, they saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into convulsion, falling to the ground. And he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has been often thrown him in both into the fire and into the water. Destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus is going to challenge his faith there. Say, like, wait a second. If you can. He's like, if you can? What are you talking about? If I can. It's like, no, I can do all things. He says, and he makes the statement, all things are possible to him who believe. So we know that. I think at the heart of that, we know that absolute. Like, I think each of us would take this statement, God can do anything. And we would say yes and amen. Now, then when we take it personally, God can do anything with you and through you, Brandon. Wait a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) I believe believe the general, but when it gets down to the specific, to the heart, that's when it starts getting challenging. Because then, then this guy makes this uh, statement. Immediately the boy's father cried out. I mean, I mean, he just, in the depths of his heart, he cried out and said what? I do believe. Help my unbelief. Drive out those doubts. Drive out those fears. Drive out that which, the, the inability to start with the small and, and let the Lord make it big. You know, drive out everything that would try to hinder that faith. And that's that place that God brings back. And then, of course, Jesus saw that a crowd was growing, and he, and he delivers the child. That's in the midst of that whole manic, <laughs> you know, in and out of faith. Well, that, that's a, it's faith to faith. But I think that's the call. It's like start with the seven, start with the five and the two, and then begin to ask the Lord to work in it. And don't give in to condemnation. I mean, I think that's the biggest area, and condemnation and doubt try to drive out that level of faith to begin, to start, to, to, to lay hands on somebody that you see and, and believe for their healing. Things like that. That's where, where God's taking us in that.
0: You know, in that three things that Mitch was speaking, I want to just call it your mind. First is there's a process, join the process. Join the process. Two is, accept the reality that God is wanting to do greater things in you than He did when He was on the earth. Accept that. And three, don't be afraid to go and cry out what Miss just said. Oh, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Accept that. Doug.
6: Yeah, I think, and a lot of it is what the enemy will try to do is to get our focus on the area of unbelief, on the, you know, on the, the areas maybe in your past where it hasn't happened, like it's been said, right? Oh, I tried that. I've been down that path. Or even areas in our in our lives where we uh, we feel like God let us down in the past. And the enemy wants to get our focus there. And, and the scripture that the Lord brought to mind as we were discussing this was First Samuel 16, right, where... He's talking to Samuel, and and he says, how long will you grieve over Saul? Fill your horn with oil and go, because you've got a a king to anoint. And I think a lot of times the enemy wants us just to constantly be grieving over the things that we feel that the Lord has let us down in. And that's where our focus is, right? And I love that, that Hebrews 12 passage that Rick brought up where it says, because before that it says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And I, and I feel like in some of our past, our expectations of what we, what we thought God would do or how we thought God would do it or even in the fact that we feel like God let us down and he disappointed us, that, that fear starts to creep in. Well, I'm not going to pray that again, right, because I, I laid hands on that situation before and, and, and it didn't work or it didn't happen the way I thought it would happen. And I just feel like the Lord is just saying we've got to get our eyes off of that. We've got to stop grieving over the things of the past. Because where your focus is, it's going to determine whether you're operating in in faith or fear. And so the Lord is saying, fill your horn with oil. Fill your horn with oil. It's time to get up. It's time to move forward.
2: Yeah.
0: I remember the first time that I ever got in a deliverance situation. It was a young girl who was about 95 pounds. And the week before, she had manhandled two, two or three men that were way over 200 pounds. She manhandled them. Little 95-pound-year-old girl, crack addict. But it, she was a witch, and she had set us up. And she, in fact, she was, she, was, she was in a witch's coven in Houston, Texas. It was sent into the churches in the Fort Worth area to infiltrate the churches and cause trouble in the churches. And she came in our church, and she was trying to do that. I mean, one night she'd put curses on the service, and God had revealed supernaturally the curses that she had put on it, and there was all kind of craziness about that. But I'll never forget this first deliverance. She had literally set us up, and she didn't want to be set free. But we ministered her from like 10 o'clock in the morning until 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It was one ugly thing. I mean, it was ugly. Can I tell you, ugly? She didn't want to be set free. I mean, at one point in time, she's quoting the Beatitudes of Satan. She, she does, knocked the snot out of the guy that I was with, put him on his heels. I'm going, what is this? And I remember walking out of that. Paul and I went, to, had the kids and we went to get something to eat afterwards and I'm going, Lord, this is the last time I ever want to get in a deliverance. <laughs> you know, it's sort of what Doug's saying. I've been there. I've done that. I don't want that. After about 3,000 deliverances since then, you know, I realized I had to get back in the boat. And some of you, as we're talking about this faith, faith to believe God for whatever it may be you've done it like Doug said fill your, fill your horn with oil and go on and one of the things I want to highlight about what Brandon spoke earlier um, about you've been doing it all night you're tired and you don't want to try anymore and we've been I've been watching in the spirit and I feel that in the church is that there's people who've done that and it's nothing happened. Or they've been doing it on their own and they've nothing. and You're, you're tired. And you don't want to go back out into the boat. And... Uh, um, is Sarah back there? I think the projector's... It, it, the projector's broke. Go get that picture, Brandon. And, uh, and here's what God is... Anybody got anything, want to add into this? So you got
3: something, huh? You got
2: something?
3: Go ahead. I'll just dive in. So Romans ten seventeen says faith comes by hearing, right? And hearing a word. And um you know, I guess as I'm as I'm hearing as this you know, service is like progressing, some of the pieces that have really just I guess jumped in alive to me is that uh when Rick talked about, you know, Jesus, when we invite him in, that he's basically, you know, Jesus is knocking at the door and we decide to open the door and we let him in and um, you know, he's there at the foyer, but his desire is to come and be a part of every place of our heart. Um, And then so keep with that in mind, you know, then, then I think about hearing that word. Right. And I guess I guess today the thing that I'm hearing the Lord say is that he's got a word for you. That. The Rama, you know, when Tulio, there was no coincidence that when Tulio came up and said something right here about the word of the Lord and Jesus saying something, that that carried a lot of weight and power.
0: Well, it did. It hit me when he when it hit Colleen. I was up here about to lose it
3: because that's what Jesus wants to do today. That's what Jesus wants to do every day with us. That's what Jesus wants to do in the morning when He awakes us. That's what He wants to do at night as we lay down and rest. That's what Jesus is all about. Jesus is not some distant, far-off dude that sometimes we get to encounter and sometimes we get to hang out with. But Jesus is in the business of giving words, and business is good all the time. So, Jesus... I just say we, that you are the giver of life. And that your words carry life. Jesus, I just say we need nothing else except your words. God, that in your words carry the faith that we need. In us, carries we carry the faith that we need to unite with the word that you say. And so Jesus, for every single person in here, I just bless them today, Lord. And I just declare, Lord, that let them hear Your Word today. And I do do know that there are some people that have not... There's some people that Jesus is on the other side of that door and He's just patiently, lovingly knocking. And I know that there's some people that He's in the foyer and He's like, Man, this is a nice place. I'd love to live here. So, Lord, in Jesus' name, I just ask that you clarify for us, Lord, each individually, where we are in this area, where we are in this process. I pray you open up our eyes to see, Lord, and open up our ears to hear. Yeah, God,
0: hear what God is speaking in relationship with Job. He's wanting to give a word. Faith comes by hearing, and by hearing what? Word. That's one part of it. I you know, I just feel about this Joe Joe was talking about there. i will be honest with y'all, I have got so hungry for the word. I, I've set a goal that I'm trying to memorize the book of Psalms, and uh, and and I'll hear somebody read a psalm and I don't have that one memorized yet, and I'm going, oh Dude, I, I can feel this thing in me going, I want it in me. It's just like addiction. Because His Word in us is like, ah, when it becomes Lagos to Rhema in you, and it just, just full to get out of the boat or whatever. And Mitch, you had Brandon share about the deal about the boat. This is the Word from the Lord is somebody God speaking.
1: Yeah, I, I just... um. Like I said, this is actually going to go up in my um, office. And the reason I'm putting it in my office is really so I can focus on the Word of God, like what he, what He's shown me. And this picture's really cool. You can probably see it better up there. But these fish, as they get a little bit higher and higher, what do they turn into? Doves. And what's the greatest promise God's given us? The Holy Spirit. And so I, I really feel like just focusing in, on the presence of God, focusing in on, you know, the promises of God, you know, regardless of what, yeah, I stepped out, I, I got in the boat in this one situation, in one area of my life, but I can't say it's been, actually, I, it's been like, a lot of stuff's being revealed, but it's it's been an amazing journey, and and I see the promises, because I know the promises, actually, Jim, Jim prophesied over me at Floyd Fest, it's kind of funny to bring all this around, but, I had to step out. I had to receive the word from God, but then I had to step out in, into that. But instead of focusing on me, which I sometimes in the past have tried, I'm, I'm focusing solely on the Holy Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the Word of God, and what you know what he's what he's doing in me. And so, um, that, so I really just want to encourage you just to focus on you know just the presence of God in in in, in your life. So. Yeah.
0: And what is the thing God gave you about the boat, Brandon? Get back what? God gave you, telling the word, the time to get back in the boat. Yeah, to get in the boat.
5: Yeah, because I think about, you know, you think about James and John. How in the world could they really believe that they could call fire down from heaven? Like, sorry, I'm just going back to that because I am just truly amazed. Like, you did not want to I'm call
0: fire you. down on me, are you?
5: No. Lord. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean think about it. How could John and James do that? Because they had just been where the unadulterated presence of God. Like they knew if they were in the presence of God, they could do anything. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why <laughs> I mean, you think about, it. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> oh, um, and you think about, um, shoot, I just lost it, hold on, what are you after, um, I was trying to, uh, Acts 4.13, you know, think about this one, you know, uh. Think about John, and Peter and John. It says they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated, untrained men. It is not about your training. It's not about your education. It's not about how many memories, scriptures you've written, wrote. I mean, not written, read read and memorized, although it is good to do that. It is you, okay, if, if anybody wants to say they can't do it, then you, you don't have a place to stand. Untrained, uneducated men. Well, how did they do it? It says, uh, Now they, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood they were uneducated, untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Uneducated, untrained men can do the miraculous wonders of the kingdom. Why? Because they were just with Him. And if you're with Him and you're with His Word, man, that equals... Incredible kingdom.
0: And how could I come down off the mountain, y'all, with joy beholding the beauty of the Lord? Because the Lord said, "I'm with you, Rick, and I will make your foot firm on a rock." I love you. Look at the beauty. Look at the beauty.
2: I uh, I don't know what doubt you got. Some. Just. Uh... It's interesting that Joe said that because, uh, during worship today, um, I kept, uh, hearing these questions. Um, it's like they were just circling. And, uh, the feeling I got was, um, there's a lot of us who've been in this place of asking questions and we've asked them for so long. And we've asked the questions, but we haven't taken the time to wait. Um, and that there's these questions that are circling around. What I felt like I heard the Lord say was, that, uh, just to stop and wait, that um, there's a place that He wants to give answers. Um, but it's sometimes that we start asking questions and we don't see a response or we don't see things happen soon enough, and it's been trained into us in the good um, way of we've been taught through the world or whatever else of being productive so that we don't just sit idly by. That when you ask and you don't see things, that you have to be productive some way. You make something happen. And in in a place that we've been doing this stuff, that we've been asking these questions, and instead of stopping to wait on the Lord to bring an answer, we've been trying to be busy um, because we don't want to be idle. And uh, with me for a while lately, it feels like the Lord's just kind of pushed stop for a while on a lot of things. To where even the other day I was out doing something in my yard, and he just stopped me. um, To where my mind, just for a minute, I said, God, I just want to wait. Um, and in that five minutes of waiting, I felt like I was closer to the Lord than I had been in a long time. But it was the intentionality of waiting on the Lord. And there wasn't any kind of big amazing thing. wasn't any angel that came down or the heavens didn't open up or anything like that. But it was the intentionality of stopping and waiting on the Lord. Um, and it feels like there's things, there's answers that he wants to bring. But we have to stop and wait in the places that we've been asking. And and I know in Matthew it says, keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. And, and I'm not saying that you don't do that, but there's a place that if we don't stop talking long enough to let Him speak, that we'll never hear the thing that He's bringing.
0: Sorry. Yeah. No, no I apologize. Yeah. You know, I was uh, summarizing this thing up. The Lord doubts. Doubt meaning divided judgments in our hearts. Conclusions. I was reminded at a time, I may have told you all about this one time. One time I was playing a basketball game way back. So, And I was in this game and I was smoking it. It's one of those games where you feel like you could just throw the ball up and it would have gone in. And I mean, I was I was carrying the team. And we it was back and forth the whole game. And, uh, and it came down, we were one point down at the end of the game. And, uh, and I was playing on the right wing. And uh, I brought the ball down and got just about on the right side. And I passed the ball back to the point guard. And I knew I was going to take the last shot. So I passed the ball back up to the top of the key. And then I, and I was just and I was over here on the side, on the, on the wing. And he passed the ball back to me. And the clock's winding down. And I jump up. And in, as I'm jumping up to shoot this jump shot, automatically in my mind goes... Will you shoot it straight in, or will you hit it off the backboard? Will you shoot it straight in, or will you shoot it off the backboard? Do You know where the ball went? Right in between the backboard and the rim. Because why? As I went up to shoot the shot, I was divided in my thoughts. And y'all, oh, I could have quit basketball at that point <laughs> But you know what? After that, the time that I went to was in the time that when I didn't do it right, I wasn't at that place, it was in the time of the unseen that I go, okay, why did I do that? I asked the hard question. Why was the doubt there? Because I had not practiced that shot in that way. And what God is telling us today is that, I don't know, we mentioned a few doubts that you may have. You know the doubts that may be. What I just ask you to do is don't fool yourself into thinking you believe something when you don't. Like I, we were talking in the elders meeting Tuesday morning, we are really just asking to take some journeys together and... And I I just made a statement to him. I I, I said, I have to be real with you guys. I'm not sure that I've ever prayed for somebody to be healed at times that I did not have doubt in my heart. And the word says, if you have doubt in your heart, don't let that man think you receive anything. And I just want to be bold enough to say, okay, there's doubt. But you know what? If I sit in front of somebody that's got a demon manifest, you know what? I ain't a doubt in my mind. That sucker's out of here. And so I just want to ask the hard questions. That's what I saying, we were saying in the elders' meeting. Saying, I want to ask the hard questions. I don't want to accept defeat. I don't want to accept condemnation. Because you know, my God said, there's no condemnation to those who are what? In Christ Jesus. I'm going to be the man that goes, okay, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I'm with a bunch of people that are going to push me, like Burby. I'm going to go, Rick, Rick, yeah. There's some areas in Burby, and I are just going back and forth with each other. Oh, we love each other, we're just pushing each other back and forth. What do we believe in? What are we what do we believe in? How we believe in it. And I just want to invite you, get back in the boat. And that was a word that Brandon got. It was real strong. But I think it's from the Lord. And we I just want to just close out in this. PJ, or whoever, somebody play something up there. Um play the drums? I mean, you don't play the drums. You know. Can you move that? Move that, Brandon. I just want to close shop this morning. I know that there's some people in here have got some doubts that they want to, they want to need some people to agree with. And uh, pardon me? Yeah, you, yeah. What you got? You feel like some people disqualified themselves? You have disqualified yourself. And you say, I can't do this. I can't do that. No. no God's saying, yeah, you can. I'm with you. I'm with you or I'll speak the word, which is impossible for the word to not come about. So, uh, I just, so can I say, pray a prayer? And I just want to, if you're some doubts in your heart, you've been there, done that, and unbelief is filling your heart, God wants to heal that. God wants to heal that. Would you pray, man?
5: So, Father, we just come this morning, God, we just want to declare your kingdom, your power, your presence, God, just fill this place, Lord, we know that, Lord, that even as Peter and, and John, Lord, God, they were uneducated, untrained men, God, they were they were recognized by being in your presence, God, we want to be those men and women, God, that they recognize what, they might not have it all together, which we're very aware of that, God, we we know we don't have it all together. But, God, we want to be those that, said of us, that we've been with Jesus. God, let it be, Lord. Let it be in that place. So, Father, I just want to uh, just ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, for, for those of us that have just really struggled with that place, of just being in that place of uh, of struggling with that uh, areas of doubt or unbelief. I just want you to come, and we're just going to pray for you. Just, get, just. Lord it's just kind of like that same thing that uh, uh, Jim was talking about just take a step maybe you just have faith to come up here and say i I need that today just take that step just take that step forward it's just, it's just between you and him it's not between any of us anyway so just you and him you and the lord you just take that step Lord I just pray right now in Jesus name some of us just need to to, to, to move and make mention so can we just all stand and just, Lord, I just want to pray right now in Jesus' name, God, that your Holy Spirit begin to move us, even as we just stood up, God, that you begin to move us out, Lord. Move us out, God.
0: If you got some doubts, come on up here and stand. Amen. Face face me right Thank up here you, in God. front of the laminate, if you would. There's some things you want to deal with,
5: yeah.
0: some doubts and unbelief you want to deal with.
5: Yeah. Don't hesitate. Just come. come. on. Just come.
0: Just face me. Line, line, make a line right across here. Thank you. I need some help here. I need some brothers and sisters behind these, each one of these. Men with men, ladies with ladies, up there, get around front of them. little lady. Y'all good? All right, I want
2: y'all... <laughs>
0: y'all repeat after me. It's all... Everybody in the sanctuary, let's just pray this prayer, y'all. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me for entertaining unbelief. Lord, forgive me for entertaining doubt about the power of Your Word or the power of Your presence. Doubting that You're with me. So Lord, I rebuke in Jesus' name. Fear and doubt be gone. Unbelief be gone. So Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. The reality of Your Word for me be birthed in my heart. The reality of Your presence with me be birthed in my heart. In Jesus' name. Y'all that are with these people, I want y'all start praying over them.
5: So the, as these are praying, we're, I'm just gonna dismiss. I'm gonna pray and dismiss you. If you want to come, and maybe you didn't come, but but when we dismiss you, want to just come and stand. Come and stand. We'll pray for you. So Lord, we just want to thank you, Father, this morning, God, that, God, that you, Lord, are smiling on this place, God, of even those places where maybe we've been in that place of Peter and we've got out on the water and we we just sank and. And, Lord, you've, you've pulled us back up. And, God, you just are calling us to continue to get in that boat. God, continue to throw down the nets, Lord. Continue to see the miraculous, see the kingdom of God happening before us. And, and maybe it will be a crazy amount of fish in a net. Or or maybe it will be just the faith to be able to love on somebody, to reach out. Or maybe it will be just the faith as a mustard seed to, to see... Uh, to pray for salvation, Lord, it's going to look so many different ways. But God, I pray that we would be those men and women, that, like Jared said, that we will wait. We'll sit there and wait on you, Lord, wait for you to speak the rhema a word of the kingdom of God, to be, then be able to go, or maybe just wait on you for maybe some things that we've been asking for. So, Lord, renew our faith today, renew that place in us today, God, in the name of Jesus. That as the, as that cry of that father's heart. God, I believe. I need to see my son heal. I believe that you can do it. Help the areas of unbelief. Lord, we just pray in Jesus' name. Doubt would just not be a a facet of life for us, God. Faith would be the way we live and breathe and move. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We bless you in Jesus' name. So I'm just going to dismiss you. Thank you guys for coming. Have a great week. If you want a prayer, come and find it. Or if you want to come pray, you can come pray.